is it that bad to just spray and pray? Like, what does it do if you apply to 12 different jobs to the same company on the same day? Can you guys see that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You see it every day. Yeah. The, person, yeah. the person that just applied for 15 jobs, yeah. they qualify for two. And yeah. they just, they're, they're, you're, all you're doing is, is wasting time. Yeah. As an applicant, really, if you're not hitting that required field, don't bother um, applying for it. Make sure that you hit those requirements. Uh, most of the time you want a lot of those preferreds in there as well and make sure that it's highlighted on your resume. Welcome to this special episode of Security Clear Jobs, Who's Hiring and How? Here are insights from recruiters with IBM, General Dynamics Electric Boat, and TechFlow, recorded live on the scene at a recent Clear Job Fair recruiter panel. Here's today's moderator, Bob Wheeler. Hey everybody, welcome to our little soiree here. We're gonna be talking about job seeking tips. My name is Bob Wheeler with clearjobs.net. So what we've, we've got three great recruiters here with a lot of experience from some companies, big and small. I'm going to introduce them real quick, and then we will start to, to get into some of the topics. So first is Sarah Knapp. She's from a company called TechFlow. And Sarah, you've been recruiting for, for a bit, right? 20, 22. 22 <laughs> years. 22 years. And you've been at some more than one company, right? Yes. You, yeah. Yep, large and small. Large and small. And the company you're with now, you consider more on the smaller side? Yes. Yeah. All right, so that's that's Sarah. We'll be talking to her. We've got in the middle Ray Ray Ryan. Uh, he's from General Dynamic Electric Boat. I've done recruiting for the Air Force for the U.S. Air Force for about eight nine years, yeah. and then I've been with um, General Dynamics Electric Boat in recruiting for just six months. And then right here we've got Robin Wallace. Robin is from uh, International Business Machines, also known as IBM. This is not your first go around with recruiting either, is it, Robin? Um, so I have been uh, with IBM for over thirty years. Uh, and um, this is actually, recruiting is actually my third career I've had at IBM. So I've been doing recruiting now for about 12 years, and prior to that was a consultant. And you're not doing the day-to-day -day recruiting right now as much as you're leading a team of recruiters, right? That is correct. I did uh, the day-to-day -day recruiting and then um, recently joined management and now manage about a team of, of nine recruiters um, in the federal practice. Okay. So cool. So we've met them. My name is Bob Wheeler. I've been at clearjobs.net for uh, eight years now. Uh, prior to this, I was in the Navy for 20 years. I, my last gig was recruiting doctors uh, up in Maryland. That's how I got into the recruiting thing. Some of the things that I want to start with is just like, what's it like, the recruiting process? Because I think a lot of job seekers don't, if you can understand the process, you can go with the flow. You know, when I was working with the Marine Corps, we had to do martial arts. And one of the things I learned was if they push, you pull. If they pull, you push. Like that's how you kind of win the battle. So if we can understand how the recruiting world works as a job seeker, then you can, like I said, you can go with the flow. So there's different things. There's, there's, there's things like sourcing, there's recruiting, and there's hiring. So sourcing means they go out and they look for people, right? They're just looking for people. Recruiting is the day-to-day, -day, like, hey, have you thought about this job? Let me help you with this job. And then the hiring, now you start getting into something called the hiring manager, and we're going to talk about that person. But that's the person that makes the decision about, I want to hire her or I don't want to hire her. So those are the people. So when we talk about what we call requisitions. A recruiter has so many recs, how many open positions they're filling. How many, on a typical thing, how many requisitions do you or your recruiters have? And in that thing, how many how many hiring managers does that recruiter support? Um, sure, it varies. So right now I'm at a smaller organization and our recruiters are running on average about 10 funded and then they'll often have, you know, maybe another 10 or 15 that are, you know, contingent things that we're preparing for the future. Um, that is a little bit of a lower rec load, um, comparably speaking to some larger organizations, um, but we don't do as much um, volume of, you know, I'm hiring five systems administrators or five software developers. We're a lot more, you know, single type positions, so that can be a little bit harder to manage the higher volumes there. 
So, and what about IBM, a bigger company? What, like, the recruiters that work for you, what, what, what's their workload look like, and how many managers do they report to for that? So we're probably, uh, probably the, op- the opposite of Sarah. <laughs> um, I would say typically it's about 20 to 25 positions that they recruit for, but that not, doesn't necessarily correlate to a requisition. So somebody could only have two requisitions, but they need to hire 10 people on each one. And it could be 10 software developers or Java developers, or they could have 20 requisitions and they're all different skills. The number of hiring managers Sometimes it, it really depends on whether or not uh, that person is trying to hire all of those roles for one particular project, and then it's just one hiring manager. Or if their roles span projects, then they do typically uh, deal on a day-to-day basis with multiple hiring managers. Yeah, so that, that those hiring managers, remember when we think about the hiring manager, that person is is super busy doing other things. The reason, that, and they're super busy because they don't have enough people to do the regular job, which is why they're trying to hire more people. Um, so Ray, your job as a military veteran recruiter liaison guy there at Electric Boat, you don't have specific recs then, do you? I I'm personally don't have recs. Yeah. I'm well, the only staffing representative that doesn't have recs. Okay. So can you explain, what, what, do you know about the Electric Boat, like what the typical recruiter actually I do. has? Can I do. So usually it's between 80 and some have 200. Wow. Um, some of those recs, are they stay open because... The job need, like engineering, entry-level engineers always stay open, uh, system tests they need to constantly hire. So their their staffing role at the Electric Boat is very crazy and hectic. And, and so the reason I ask about how many different hiring managers that people deal with is because, let me tell you a secret about hiring. The most important thing, the most, most important factor in an organization having a good hiring process is a re- the relationship between the recruiters and the hiring managers. I think almost people would would almost always say that. Um, if it's not the number one thing, it's it's it's, it's right up there. Um, but it's because they work with different hiring managers. Sometimes it can be a very the same recruiter might have five different relationships with five different people. And we've all had that in our lives, right? Where you can this process is working great, and this process is going a lot slower. So sometimes we think that the recruiter, like, what's what's going on? Can, in your experience, what have you seen make it work well? And if, is there anything that makes it just for no fault of the job seeker, just make it not work as well? Um, I would say what really makes it work work well is <clears throat> to establish at the beginning, you know, what kind of communication you're going to have with the hiring manager. So you're going to set up a weekly a weekly call, a status call. Are you going to text each other? Are you going to Slack each other? Are you going to is email the best form of communication? <clears throat> but once you figure out what the best form of communication is, then you can you can work on that relationship and make sure you keep in touch with that hiring manager. Because what you'll find is you'll have some hiring managers who they need to hire somebody yesterday. And they'll be calling you and emailing you all the time. And then you'll have other hiring managers who say they wanted to hire somebody yesterday, but you, but you can't get in touch with them. Um, so really establishing that, that form of communication with them and, and setting expectations up front. Um, because ultimately, the recruiter wants to get back to the candidate in a reasonable manner. But if they're not getting answers from the hiring manager, then they're not able to give answers to the candidate. And that can be on your end then of like, I, I, you know, my recruiter just doesn't want to get back to me. And sometimes you might think that, well, he or she is just a lousy recruiter. When sometimes it just could be that, that the hiring manager hasn't got like the hiring manager might be on vacation. Somebody else could be on vacation. Or like we said, the hiring manager is so busy and the last thing on their mind is actually trying to do the hiring because they're too busy on the, on the shop floor doing stuff. And so Robin, when you're, when your recruiters are talking to the, to the candidates, do they do? Do they ever end up kind of not coaching them, but but helping them understand what's the most important thing, and and how does how does a how does a good recruiter go about helping a job seeker kind of tailor their resume or tailor their process to a specific job? 
So um, a lot of times when a recruiter sees a resume uh, and they may compare it to the job description and see if the person meets the requirements, but a lot of times the resume doesn't have all of the information, which is the reason they would call and, and uh, do like a screening call um, and probe a little bit. So they might say, you know, I see on your resume, you know X, do you also know Y? And maybe ask you questions uh, to kind of probe a little bit more to see what other skills you might have, or maybe if you worded it differently, and then can give pointers. You know, well, that's great. You have all this experience. I think you should add it to your resume. If you want to send me another copy, I'm happy to pass it over to the hiring manager. And, and I think that's something as a job seeker that when you find a really good recruiter, but if they pull the string on something and they say, hey, you need to expand upon this, it, it, a lot of times it's because of that relationship with the hiring manager where they know that person's going to want to see on the resume that you've got these experiences. And sometimes as job seekers, either we don't value what we've already done or maybe we didn't think about it or maybe we just didn't you know, understand how important that was to this specific job and sometimes even to that specific hiring manager, right? I mean, even, there's, there's sometimes things that are not in the job description that the hiring manager is still kind of looking for. Is that a safe assumption? Yes. yes. <laughs> Ryan, very, I very think when an applicant finds a recruiter, like via LinkedIn or Facebook or social media, however you find it, and you go direct with them, that's impressive. That always impresses me that mm. this, this guy reached out. I had, I had um, an, an applicant that went to every single staff on LinkedIn to get um, their contact information. My hiring manager said, I want her to work for us. And she now works in, in, in HR with us because that was, her, that, was, yeah. she, that was her goal to get an electric boat, and she was persistent with it. All right. So now we're going to move on to some questions that, that people tend to ask all the time. That I don't want to put you on the spot here, but like, there's always, how many people in the audience have heard that a re recruiter can make a decision about your resume in like six seconds or pick some kind of tiny number that no one can believe, right? You guys all heard that? So the question always comes down to like, is it really possible to, you know, for that to happen? And the answer is yes, it is very possible. I know I think we can all explain a little bit of, of why, and it's really not that they're just whimsically throwing it away, but, you know, um, let's say, let's go with Sarah first. Sure. And... You know, where I am now, I'm at a smaller organization. We don't have, we don't get the same volume of applications coming in through our website. So I have the luxury where I am right now, where I am spending way more than six seconds to review a resume. Um, you know, at a minimum, I want to, I'm carefully looking at the intro paragraph, you know, looking at the work history, um, you know, checking against what are my required qualifications, seeing are there any areas where I want to, you know, I need to pull the thread further and ask candidates questions, you know, obviously location, clearance, all of those types of things. But, you know, I have worked in other organizations where it is just impossible. If you're getting hundreds of applicants a day, you know, there's no, there's no way that you can spend that volume of time. Um, so to that extent, I mean, the, the thing that um, I think as candidates we want to do is really just make sure that you are doing the best you can to tailor your resume to what is listed in that requirement so that in that six seconds, it can easily, you know, or 15, 30 seconds, they, the recruiter can easily call out, yes, this person does meet these things, um, you know, just as, as much as you can make them visible. One of the questions I ask job seekers is, can you look at a job, a job, you know, like a, a job opening? Can you decide in less than six seconds if you want to apply to that job? A lot of times we're making the same rash decision of like, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. But when it comes to things like clearance level, if it, if it requires yeah. a, a, a polygraph level clearance and you have a secret level clearance, I mean, it, that took you less than one second to know that that person just can't can't fit, right? Ray, do you want to expand on this and then we'll get to Robin? Yeah, I think uh, the best thing you could do with your resume is you make it so it's easy for the recruiter to point out your skill sets and your work history. And a lot of times I find it drives me crazy is when in that um, requirement, it'll say 
uh, zero to 10 years or whatever experience. And then you look on the resume, it doesn't have the work history. So make sure that your resume is um, really tailored to that job requisition for, to be more effective for the recruiters. So it only takes us 15 seconds to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Robin, what you got there? The other thing I would say is, uh, maybe not six seconds, but really quickly, we do search for, um, for some of you, I would call them keywords, I guess. So if the job description says that you need skills X, Y, and Z, those are the first things a recruiter is going to search for. They're just, they're not even going to redirect, read your resume. They're going to go in, if it's, you know, an SAP or a PeopleSoft role, first thing they're going to say is, does this person have SAP on their resume? If you don't even have SAP on your resume, we're going to skip. So make sure the role that you're applying for, you know, that you do have those key skills and that they're mentioned in your resume. And the other thing I always tell people is whatever you're going to put as your work history and, and your most recent skills, put them first. Most recruiters don't read past the first page. So whatever you want to say, say it up front. If 30 years ago you were a bartender or whatever, and it's not relevant, don't put it on your resume or put it all the way at the bottom because nobody's going to read it. There's a phrase that I like to use when I talk about resumes is you want to distill your resume down, not dilute it. Let's, let's move on to talking about some interview type things. Because uh, resumes, they don't get you jobs, they get you interviews. Right? That's, that's one of the big things. So when it comes to interviewing, um, we'll, we'll, we'll leave with Ray this time and then we'll come to Ronald. Are all of the Positions the same interview process is pretty much standardized, it's or standardized. are they? Yep. It's all standardized. Of, oh, really? Okay. Um, any question that's getting asked to you is getting asked to every single person that's getting interviewed for that position. For that position, but, but across positions, is it all the same, or does different hiring managers have different? It's different hiring managers for okay. different positions will have yeah. different questions. How's it going at IBM? Is, is it always the same? Is it the change a lot, or what? What should a candidate kind of expect about interviews? Well, there are so many different things that you can interview for, but I would say. It's pretty standard that you'll have at least one, if not two interviews, but that depends. You might have one interview and it might be a panel interview and it might have two or three people on it and that could be counted as your multiple interviews. But typically we like to do at least two interviews or with two different people. Um, and each job that you apply to does have, I guess I would call it a standard set of questions that is asked to each applicant, obviously, to treat people fairly. Um, but, uh, but most of the time, it's, it's one or two interviews, and we're doing most everything now over video, you know, or WebEx, not really anything in person um, or over the phone. And what about over there at, the, at TechFlow? Sure. Um, so our interview process will be the same for, you know, this software developer. Everyone's going to be, you know, going through the same process there. But it can differ per contract. You know, we have some positions where we might be a prime, and we're the only, um, you know, we can solely make the decision regarding who we're going to hire. We might be a sub on another program where first you have to get through the interview, sign a contingent offer, and then get submitted to a prime, um, you know, to have your resume reviewed. There could possibly be a meet and greet. Um, so it will vary. And then, you know, it also could vary even if TechFlow is the only one that's making the decision, you know, this position could interact with different groups. So maybe there's multiple interviewers or a panel interview um, that will take place as well. We need to understand as job seekers, do I have a certain set of skills that not very many people has, or do I have a set of skills that everybody needs, and so those recruiters are waiting through a hundred resumes to fill the one position? So that that you know, the, the, you know, what I'm saying the difference between the tough to find versus I've got lots of people. Um, what's that like for the recruiter? Do, do they get those different types of recs? I mean, it's a whole different work day, isn't it? Yeah, so the ones that are easy to find, we get a lot of what we call organic pipelines. So people will apply directly through our IBM Career website. Um, and that's where we might get hundreds of resumes where 
as I said, the recruiter is going to go through those really quickly and look for those keywords um, to kind of uh, fish people out, as opposed to what we call um, finding the purple squirrel is what we like to call it. Um, and in that case, we are looking at places like LinkedIn, um, clear jobs, uh, places like that uh, to find folks. Um, and especially, I mean, for us, we also do have jobs all across the U.S. Sometimes you do have to be on site in D.C. or you know, at a specific location with a big project going down in Radford, Virginia. Um, we also have a lot of work going on in Rocket Center, West Virginia. So those are places that are really hard to find people. So then we might target um, certain organizations down in those areas to try to find people, you know, or do a career fair or something like that and, down there. And as a proud graduate of Radford University, I'll put a plug in for Radford, Virginia. <laughs> they have a branded brewery down there. Too. Um, but, but that's a big thing. Like I said, when you, if you're coming out of the service, sometimes we don't really understand, like, why is it, why is it going one way for one person or another way for another person? If you need, if we understand our skill sets or the job that you're applying for sometimes, you really want to know, like, am I in this giant pile of lots of people that they've got to wade through? And, you know, Sarah, you, you've been doing this for a long time too. So when all the, when you get all those resumes, some, usually the biggest problem is, is that most of them are actually not qualified, right? You're wading through the unqualified people, you know? So what can a job seeker do? You know, is there is there such is it that bad to just spray and pray? Like, what does it do if you apply to twelve different jobs to the same company on the same day? Can you guys see that? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we can see that. Absolutely, we can I, see I, that. I, you see it every day. Right? Yeah. The person, yeah. the person that just applied for fifteen jobs, yeah. they qualify for two, and yeah. they just and you're, all you're doing is, is wasting time. Yeah. As an applicant, really, if you're not hitting that required field, don't bother um, applying for it. Make sure that you hit those requirements. Uh, most of the time, you want a lot of those preferreds in there as well, and make sure that it's highlighted on your resume. Easy to see. All right, so we're going to go to some questions that we have more folks have shown up. So does anybody have any questions that they want to ask of just the, the panel in general or anything like that? Okay, it's something way in the back there. Go ahead. What do you think about uh, cover letters? Are they useful? I personally prefer the, the intro paragraph to the cover letter. Um, but I will say for more senior level, very specific skill sets, um, there can be times when a cover letter might be helpful to capture a significant amount of information. But I will, if we're talking a more junior level position, I probably wouldn't take the time to do it. Anything to add, Rick? I would uh, say if you're coming for a semi-skilled or skilled position, you don't know cover letter needed. It won't, won't ever get looked at. Um, if I'm coming for a more senior position, I'm, I, I always read the cover letter. I feel it kind of gets me to know that applicant a little better. That's just my preference. So kind of the opposite. Uh, I never read a cover letter. I must always skip it. I like the introductory paragraph. You know, tell me what you're going to tell me on the first page. Not going to read the cover letter. I find that our junior level candidates are the ones that write the cover letters because that's what they learn out of college. In college, they learn how to write a cover letter and then how to write a resume. So I tend to see more cover letters um, coming right out of college, which I think is... I actually like that because it shows more initiative that they're really trying to get the job. They might not have a lot of stuff on their resume, but they might have a lot of stuff to tell you in a cover do you, letter. Do you think? Do you think it ever happens that, that writing a cover letter is a detractor, or is it, or is it at worst just a? Eh, it, didn't, it didn't make no difference at all. I don't think it's a detractor. No. Yeah, and, unless it's not well written. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I, I, that's one thing I want to bring out: is, is if you write a really, really bad cover letter, to where it's like looks even bad, that can be a bad thing. But if you write a cover letter and it's never read, they, if there's a misspelling in it, they never read it. They never know there's a misspelling. But um, from the cover letter piece, I always let, tell people to think about, is there a reason for the cover letter? 
Um, sometimes if you're coming out of the service and you're applying for a position that's in Northern Virginia, but you're, uh, this is, let me tell you why I'm in Bangor, Washington right now type thing. I'm getting out of the service. Uh, I have, I, I grew up in this area. I can't wait to get back to this, this area. Like, I, you know what you're getting into if you have a story. But the other thing is, this is where we go back to talking to recruiters is you say, Hey, is it worth it? Like, does, does your hiring manager want to see anything? Is there anything I should say? And if the recruiter says, no, don't worry about it, then don't worry about it. But, but sometimes a recruiter might say, you know what? Actually, Bill, the program manager, he's one of those weird dudes who just loves cover letters. You know, they will tell you that because they're, it's their job to know those relationships. And that's why it's very important to find the recruiters yeah. for a uh, company that you want. The traffic for. directors, they kind of know the way. Yeah. Um, oh, more questions or is there something else? Did somebody else had a question? Right there, yeah. Question about resumes. Um, flashy, attention-grabbing, boring, and standard. And then along with that, um, kind of picked up from you guys, intro paragraph, key skills, reverse chronology of work, education. Is that correct? And then yep. anything further after that? Uh, standard. I, I personally like standard. The flashy stuff, I, I can't stand it. When people have a picture of them and their dog on their resume, why? It makes no sense. And you're having someone judge you off that, I would never do that. Uh, people do all the time, though. And I think, uh, like what you said with the chronological order, I think you're, that's the right path to go. Anybody else want to add? I would, I would agree. Uh, definitely do not put your picture on your resume. Um, and I always tell people, don't put dates when you graduate college or high school or anything like that. No dates. So that way it's it's your resume, it's who you are, no picture. What, one of the things, and the reason they're bringing this up to you is one of the things, and the bigger the company, the, the more this is important, but it's important for everybody. Human resources laws are out there and they're real. And if you're doing government contract, you've got what they call OFCCP. But there's what you guys want to know is there's lots of things that they can, they don't ever want to be put in a position to where they say, I didn't hire that person because they looked like this, because they were, I thought they were old. Even or even if they they didn't hire you because you seriously just didn't meet the qualifications, but now there's something that says, well, now you didn't hire me because you know. So yeah, the the, the dates pieces. Um, when you think about your resume, that, that reverse chronological, just think to yourself, you know, the mo what you did recently is the most important. Well, what have you done for me lately? And if you if you have experience using a tool, but you haven't used it in ten years, that's not going to be the same as if you have experience using it last year. Like she had said, one of the, I think exactly. as you said, the, the, they look at that first. That first job that you're doing right now is really the most important. And how many folks are getting here coming out of the military or transition veterans again? You know, good number. This can be a challenge for folks coming out of the service because what if your last, you know, your last command, you were teaching at a schoolhouse or you were recruiting, you know, but you weren't doing whatever the, whatever it is you're trained to do. So you haven't touched that tool or that thing for, you know, for four years. I mean, maybe. Let's start with Ray, and then we'll get the other two to, to jump in on that. Like from a military's perspective, what how tough? What do people do when they've got that situation? Is there anything they can do? My best, I always say, and I, I tell a lot of the transitioning service members, don't even apply to the rec until I look at your resume. Get in our system. Mm -hmm. Let me look at your resume. Let me look at the hiring manager that you want to go with. I can now you know the hiring managers. You realize what they like, what they don't like, and always, I t I tell every transitioning service member, come to me. Let's discuss it. Let's set a time to meet, talk. But, you know, let's let's set up a meeting, and I help them from there through the whole process. And so, even if it's not military transition, I think one of the other common questions we get, we'll let Sarah and Robin answer this, is uh, when those folks say, "Well, I've got the education, but not the skills." You know, like if you're maybe entry level type stuff. If I've got my certs, but I haven't done it. Like, how do you? Is there any tips for folks that are in that situation? 
Sure. So um, sometimes, you know, it can depend on the organization and the position, but a lot of times we are bound by contractual requirements and, you know, government contracting industry. So there might not really be anything that we could do at this point if, um, you know, if you don't meet the minimum requirements. But for entry level, um, you know, entry level candidates that maybe have the degree or something like that, I mean, you know, I do talk to candidates about what is your project-based, you know, coursework. Have you done internships? You know, what is there anything that you have done that is remotely relevant that you could, um, you know, attribute towards that specific skill set? And then the other thing is, if you're really trying to get into an industry, you know, what can you volunteer to get, you know, this specific experience or, you know, any way that you can get that experience while you're kind of working in, in still in your current job? And so, I mean, uh, Robin, at IBM, you're, you're, no secret, it's a big name company. And I, I imagine you probably get lots of people who just want to work for that. The new, the new job, you know, oh my God, I could work for IBM. I imagine you get some people who are in that position, like they really want to get that. So they, they have the, maybe the certs, but not the skills yet. Do you, do you get, does your recruiting team see that a lot? We do. And we partner with some, um, with some companies that, uh, try to place veterans as well. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what we'll do is we'll work with that particular company, um, bring somebody in who might, you know, as you said, has the education but not the skills and train them, put them through a training program or put them through a training program while they're currently with um, their organization uh, and then bring them over to IBM when they're ready. So we have certain programs like that. Um, or we do have a lot of junior positions. So maybe you are very senior in the military, but you're kind of switching gears you know, coming in at a more junior level position and working your way up is also a way to go as well. You guys are at job fairs, which is great. That's why you're here to, to hire and to meet people. Uh, any tips on for job seekers on when they talk to recruiters? Should they reach out to you guys on LinkedIn? How do they follow up from things? What's the right way to do things without being creepy or something like that? You know, I mean, what's the, what's the appropriate <laughs> professional way to follow up? Um, well, I think e email always works. Uh, and then I guess it depends on the kind of relationship. Once you've, once you've talked to the recruiter uh, and they may say to you, hey, you know, I'll text you when I have an answer if you like to be texted. But I would say email for sure. All recruiters read their email all day um, is, is probably the best way. And I mean, kind of what Ray said earlier, I mean, you don't want to be a, a pest about it, but it's your career. And if you really want the job, follow up. The, the recruiter will appreciate the fact that you're very interested and that you really want the job and you, you, you want to talk to more people or you want to give references or whatever it is you want to do. And the recruiter will know that, that you mean serious business. And also be honest. If you have other job offers, if you're interviewing with other companies, let the recruiter know that because they, they may say, well, I better hurry up and get this guy or gal a job or I'm going to lose them. Um, so just be honest with, you know, kind of where you are in the process. Yeah. Right. I uh, I personally like to set up meetings and talk and and, and get on that hear your voice and um, get a feel for that personality of the applicant. I encourage them to uh, call me before the day before their interview or whatever, so I can look up see who that hiring manager is, give them tips on what to do, what not to do, uh, what they want to see. A lot of times you want to be um, enthusiastic to join the team, 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 team. They like that. that. Mm -hmm. So I do everything on. Uh, uh, a phone call, and you're really not a pass as long. You're not the person that's like, "Hey, I just applied for this position. What, what, what about what's going on here?" Yeah. <laughs> like you applied yesterday. Like, give me a couple <laughs> weeks, and then give me a call. 
Sarah, anything? Yeah, and I mean, I just, I appreciate the follow-up too. You know, if you find an organization that you really want to be part of, even if there's not an opening that's an exact match for you today, make the connection with the recruiter. And I love it when candidates follow up. You know, it's not, it takes two seconds out of my day. And, you know, that is something that we can share with a hiring manager to be like, hey, this guy's been calling me for three months. You know, look, we finally have something. He really wants to join the organization. I think that says a lot um, when candidates do that. All right, Sarah, Ray. Robin, I appreciate, we all appreciate your time for, for coming in early um, and just answering some questions and giving us a little bit of behind the scenes of what the hiring thing's like.